Hey there, what's up? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about this book, Everybody Poops, Uh, some lessons we can learn from it. And I've been cogitating on some of these things, and quite frankly, that can be a little dangerous. But I have been thinking about this. Uh, At the congregation here at Riverview, we have uh, a a wonderful congregation. We have uh, two little babies uh, that are within six months of one another. And we're, I love getting to watch those babies develop and grow and get their own little unique personalities. And I think about the things that these children are going to face as they grow older. And it's really not very much different than uh, what the adults of the congregation or the, the adults anywhere are going to face as they uh, get older. And what can we learn from this idea of everybody poops? Well, let me let me read you something. Um, when you Google "everybody poops" and start looking at this children's book, the children's book was written evidently back in the seventies, and there's a question that pops up. People also ask, and one of the questions that is asked around this book: What is the point of "everybody poops"? So, what is the point of this book? Well, in Britain, the book is entitled Everybody Poos and is published by Francis Lincoln. The book tells children that all animals defecate and they have always done so. The book is intended to relieve shame and embarrassment about the act of defecating by explaining to children that it is a natural part of life. And if you have reared children, you know that sometimes there is some very uh, interesting and weird psychological issues around uh, teaching them to defecate in the toilet, flushing, all that. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. That's not my area of expertise. But notice what the purpose of the book is. Basically, it tells the children, you are not alone. This is not something that's unique to you. Everybody does this. Everyone has always done this. Everybody is always going to do this. And if you think in your mind that somebody you know doesn't do this, then you are wrong because the first rule of pooping is everybody poops. So there should be no shame in it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can be like San Francisco or Los Angeles or something like that and just poop on the street corner. We're not saying that just because there should be no shame associated in the act that that gives you license to do it everywhere. For instance, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to poop in a stall where everybody was open and everybody could see me and passersby could talk to me while I'm doing my business. Just like with the sexual act, the sexual act really shouldn't be shameful. Uh, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, according to Hebrews chapter 13. There is a place for the sexual act. But the one of the purposes of the human race 
is to come together and procreate, and you can't procreate without the sexual act. And and no matter what anybody tells you, you know, a lot of people say, well, you can have in vitro fertilization, you can go to sperm, but whatever. There still has to be that kind of stuff involved. Now, what is the point of the podcast? Hello, Katie Smith. It's good to see you today, by the way. What is the point of the podcast? What lesson, what possible lesson could I take from this for us as Christians, and how in the world could I actually tie it into Scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked. Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, I tell you what, I'm just going to start reading in chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's going to be a very important verse here. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Have you ever asked yourself what kind of idolatry Paul is speaking of here in this section of Scripture? Folks, it is the idolatry of entitlement. It is the idolatry of thinking, I am all alone. When this first was told to me, what I'm about to tell you, I kind of looked askance at it. and I'm like, well, that, that don't seem right. But then the more I learned and the more I learned about grammatical construct and literary devices, I learned that the ellipsis is actually a relatively common literary device. It's a relatively common grammatical construct. There is an ellipsis begging to be given voice here. Listen to this. Remember the verse that I said was going to be very important. Look at verse 12 of chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands alone, take heed lest he fall. The idea is these children of Israel who were wandering in the wilderness, they were so entitled, they were so arrogant, they thought they were all alone. No one has ever suffered on earth like we have suffered. Our trials, our tribulations are unique to us, and we have to face them alone. We are so special that we have been singled out well, how comforting would it be to know, look, 
you're not going through anything that anybody before you has not gone through. You're, and, and I know this sounds weird in this day and age, but you're not special. Your trials, your tribulations are not special. If someone in the past got through them, then you can get through them. I'm going to repeat that. If someone in the past got through the trials and tribulations that you are dealing with, then you are able to get through the trials and tribulations that, that you're dealing with. Everybody poos. You got it? Everybody has problems. Now, I know in this Internet age, I know in this age of social media, it's very easy to think that you stand alone. Uh, so, Katie, the New King James just says stand uh, in the ver- in verse 12. Does the Greek word mean stand alone? The Greek word does not mean stand alone, but this is an ellipsis. And what I mean when I say there's an ellipsis there that's begging to be given a voice, you can very easily read that word alone in the text. And because of the context, you're, you actually you don't change anything and you actually shine more light on what Paul is saying. Um, if you think you stand, you better take heed lest you fall. Well, what would be the only context in which that would be true? Well, if I think I'm standing by myself, I, I preached a lectureship, I preached a lecture for a lectureship several years ago in which I talked about this passage of Scripture in, associated with, in association with 1 John chapter 2 about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. A person who has fallen prey to the pride of life is a person who thinks that they stand alone. Is the person that that person is the person who is the tortoise on top of the fence post, and he thinks he got there by himself. He thinks he's there alone. He's not alone. He's, he he got there with the help of other people. Other people are there with him. Somebody put him there. I'm where I am today, not, not, not because of me only, but because of a plethora of people in my past and in my life. Yes, exactly. Good comment. I'm going to get to that in just a second. And, and other people in my life have got me to where I am. That doesn't take anything away from my accomplishments. You know, I mean, I think about Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, um, one, of the, one, of the winning, one of the winningest athletes in the Olympics that's ever been in the history of the sport, even when you count the sport as it was in, you know, 2,000 years ago, the, the Olympic Games 2,000 years ago. Well, did he, get the, did he get where he was by himself? Well, absolutely not. In fact, he's just genetically built to swim faster than everybody else. He had parents that loved him. He had coaches that took time with him. He had support staff. But he also had to have a very uh, uh, a strong work ethic. He had to have a desire. And he worked very, very hard. He was very diligent. So all of that together is how he ended up on the fence post of being the winningest Olympiad in the history of the game. That doesn't take away just because you acknowledge that you are where you are and you're not special. In, in in the fact that you're not, you didn't do any of this by yourself. Nobody really is a self-made man. But that doesn't take away from, from you personally. It doesn't take away from your accomplishments. 
It's just a, a very humble way of acknowledging that nothing happens in a vacuum. And these poor old children of Israel, they thought they were so special that they were having to do all this by themselves. And Katie, of course, says that makes sense. Thank you. And uh, Katie also has another comment. They have a quote-unquote I problem. You got that right. And there's a lot of people in Scripture that did, didn't they? Uh, I think of the, um, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. And uh, take your ease. And God said, you fool. Tonight your life is going to be required of you. That man was going to build, tear down his barns and build bigger instead of having more than enough and instead of having more than enough and then giving that surplus even beyond excess and helping his fellow man with it, he was going to tear down his storehouses and build more and keep all that to himself. He had a me problem or an I problem. Anyway, awesome. I'm glad I cleared that up. So whenever, you, whenever you're dealing with a child and helping that child uh, with something so abstractly complex, as learning how to read your signals from your body to go defecate. And then there's a psychological trauma in something from you being separated and discarded. Well, how do you help them through that? Well, one of the main things you can do to help them is say, hey, you're not alone. Everybody does this. I know you feel anxiety towards it. But in order to help you with that anxiety, we're going to talk about how everybody poos. Maybe as Christians, it would be, hey, look, I know that you're going through hardships. I know you're going through trials and tribulations. I know you have anxiety because of these trials and tribulations that you're going through. One of the ways that we can help you is we, we can just be there with you and hold space for you and let you know you're not alone. Everybody goes through these trials and tribulations. And as I began to say earlier, that is so difficult to really grasp because of this social media age. Because what do we see whenever we see people on social media? We see the highlights. We see the absolute best moments of their lives on social media. And we are tempted, we are lulled, maybe is a better word, into thinking, fooled maybe into thinking, that this is the entirety of their life. That everything you see about somebody on social media that's 100% good, that's 100% spectacular, that that's all they are. That their life is no problems, they don't deal with anything that that woman that's posting pictures of how she looks with her makeup and in her hair and her and her and her dress is just right her children are just perfect her husband is just perfect her house is just perfect you know all of that good stuff we look at that and we like well my house doesn't look like that my dress is unkempt my hair isn't quite right my husband isn't the you know when i say my husband isn't the best i mean my husband isn't always put together like that. Sometimes he's rough around the edges. And of course, I'm sadly, this is I'm, I'm, I'm teaching it like this because it's much more of a problem for women than it is for men. Men look at social media sometimes and be like, well, I don't care. That's them. This is me, whatever. And, and you'd be surprised how, how much squalor a man is willing to live in 
until he come to, until a good woman comes along and tames that ruffian and elevates him to a better status. Anyway, that's that's the humor humor section of the podcast is over. But my point is this: as much as social media is designed to bind us together, I think it actually puts a wedge between us. Because after all, Galatians chapter six. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest ye are also tempted, and bear ye one another's burdens, and in this manner or so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what we're seeing of our brethren on social media, how can they have problems? How can they be overtaken in a fault? I'm the only one that has problems. I'm the only one that's overtaken in a fault. When it's not true, if you're going through trials and Excuse me, if you're going through trials and tribulations, they're going through trials and tribulations. If you're having problems, they're having problems. And in fact, some of the people who have the most problems have the most beautifully curated Facebook pages and Instagram pages that you have ever seen. Oh, brethren, I noticed, well, I saw a meme that when a, when a man and a woman is going through hard times, uh, the the woman starts posting pictures of herself, and the man starts posting pictures of his children. Take from that what you will. I know that when I see a man start posting, or a woman, start posting about how awesome their spouse is and how wonderful their marriage is, to me, it's it's almost it's almost in the vein of me. I I do think the lady doth protest too much. You know, I, Labeth and I don't ever post anything on social media about each other. We don't we don't feel the need to do that because it, we we it's we have it so good. So you won't ever you you very rarely will you ever see me post a picture of my wife and be like. Oh, look how beautiful she is. Look how awesome she is. She's the. It's almost like you're talking yourself into that. We need to understand there is no trial overtaking us but such as is common to man. And if we're going through something, somebody else is going through something as well. It might be something different. So we need to focus on the connections we have made in our real lives where we can actually go and sit across a kitchen counter from somebody and weep with them and experience joy with them. Remember, everybody poos. Dana Harden says, I agree, social media isn't always a good thing. It can be depressing and deceiving. Yes, and understand, I fully understand when I critique social media, and I admonish Christians on social media, I am fully aware that th this could be a very ironic thing because I am deep into social media. I probably got more junk on social media than anybody you know. In fact, some of the stuff that I've put on social media has gotten me in a lot of trouble. I've put some stuff on social media that I regret putting. i put some stuff on social media that people think I should regret putting that I don't regret putting at all. You know, it's, 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 I hope it's a wash. But anyway, so I, I really enjoy this 1 Corinthians chapter 10 packet, pa passage. There's, it's a certain type of self-idolatry. 
That's the kind of idolatry that Paul is trying to talk to the church in Corinth about. You're not special. You're not up on a pedestal. And everybody deals with the same junk you deal with. Just suck it up and get over it. Trudge one foot in front of another and be there for one another. Bear one another's burdens to pull in a verse from Galatians 6 and don't think you're alone. Because the minute you start thinking you're alone, bad things happen to your psyche. And for that illustration, I'm going to go to the Old Testament, to 1 Kings chapter uh, 19. In fact, I'm going to lick my finger and turn left. Elijah went from a very, very high to a very, very low. Listen to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. And then, of course, you know what happened. They made that those two altars, and God showed himself in one. And 400 prophets of Baal were, were smitten by Elijah because of it. Ah, but then the next day, once you climb the mountain, you can't stay there very long. You got to come down. I'm going to, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to make this point and draw this podcast to a close. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that and we and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Well, let's let's fast forward here. Actually, yeah, verse 9. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What dost thou hear, Elijah? Now, what are you doing here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left and they seek my life to take it away. I, even I only. Elijah had fell into this trap of self-idolatry. I'm the only one. I'm the only person who is right with you left in Israel. Nobody is doing things right. I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away from me. Verse 11. And he said, the Lord, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Ahaziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Abelmeholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Now, verse 18 is the passage of interest. It's the verse of interest for the podcast. Listen to it. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Folks, Elisha was not alone. Notice what the Lord did. The Lord held space for Elisha. If you'll read that chapter, the Lord gave him some food, gave him some water, and let him have his pity party. And then in a still small voice, he said, look, here's your plan of action, and you're not alone. That's what we need to be teaching to our brethren. If we want to have longevity in the church, if you want to have longevity for the congregation where you are, you might not be a preacher, you not might be you might not be an elder, you might not be a teacher, you might just be a woman who is widowed and you're faithful. Then what do you need to do? How can you help make sure that the congregation where you are is strengthened and sound, edified and has longevity? Help people understand they're not alone. When somebody slips, trips and falls, you're not alone. Someone has been here before. Now, let's end in the book of Hebrews. Check this out. We know about Faith's Hall of Fame. All of these things that played out for these people that are recorded in Faith's Hall of Fame. And then listen. Verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, 
afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. The point the Hebrews writer is trying to tell these children of Israel is stay faithful. Because if you're having a problem staying faithful, other people have had a problem staying faithful too, and they remain faithful. If they did it, you can do it. Here's all your examples. Listen, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you're not alone. Everybody poos. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which should thus so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Because if looking at these examples from Faith's Hall of Fame is not enough, look to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For considered him, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Consider Jesus, consider the people who have gone before you, and consider the people who are around you. There is no trial that has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. You are not alone. Everybody deals with these things. Everybody. Period. The devil tries to make you think you're alone. You are not. Everybody poos. That's the podcast, folks. Katie says, I imagine Paul was in Corinth in Acts chapter 18. I imagine he felt alone, but Christ told him that he had many people in that city. What a comfort to Paul that must have been. And then Deborah goes on to say, good encouragement. You're very much appreciated, Tony. Love, love to the Brewer family and the congregation there praying. Thank you so much, Diana. I think I said Deborah. I don't know why I said Deborah, but I meant Diana if I said Deborah. My bad. Sometimes in a live stream when I read comments, I have a little disconnect so I can actually read and still focus on the live stream. And I think that's maybe why I called you Deborah. Didn't mean to. Anyway, that's all I've got, folks. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope the title wasn't so gimmicky that the message lost its effectiveness. And I may actually preach this this Sunday because you know what? It's a good lesson. <laughs> I almost did it again. I almost said Deborah said no worries. Diana said no worries. Anyway, God bless y'all. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. Please be the algorithm for us. Uh, share the podcast. Share the live stream. Follow the Cogitations Facebook page. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got here. Good to see you folks. Thank you so much for those of you who tuned in live. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, and we will catch you on the flip side.